Walk into the produce section of your average supermarket and you're gonna see a lot of different varieties of apples. Honeycrisp, Macintosh, Golden Delicious, Red Delicious, Fuji, Granny Smith's, Reds, Greens, Yellows. But believe it or not, all of these apples can actually trace their roots back to a common wild ancestor and to the wild apple forests where it grows. I'm Amanda McGowan, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're heading to the Tian Shen Mountains between Kazakhstan and China in search of wild apples. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It was May, and we were up in the mountains in the national parks. It was a rugged drive to get to these locations on bumpy roads. This is Gail Volk. She's a scientist at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, or USDA. In 2018, Gail traveled to the Tian Shen mountain range in Kazakhstan along the border with China. This is an area known for its wild apples. In fact, the nearest city in Kazakhstan is actually called Almaty, a name which comes from the word apple. And that is exactly what Gail was looking for, wild apple trees. And the trees were beautiful. You saw bright pink and white blossoms. When you looked off onto the hillsides, you can see these big swaths and valleys of blossoms, of pink trees. In spring, there were just flowers on these trees, but a little over a year later, Gail returned to Kazakhstan, this time in the fall, where she could actually reach up into the trees, twist off apples, and taste them. In the forest, there's a huge range of fruits. There's tiny apples just an inch or two in diameter, big apples, green, red, yellow, even purple apples. And some of them were large, juicy, and sweet. But those were not the ones that Gail was looking for. The apple species that we were interested in observing in Kazakhstan is Malus seversii. 
it's not one you're necessarily going to swallow. Um, it's not one that you're going to necessarily enjoy tasting. Some of them were mealy. Some of them were bland. Some of them were really astringent and strong. And some were sour. Thanks to genetic testing, we now know today that your Honeycrisps, your Fujis, your Galas of the world, they can all be traced back here to Malus Siversii. It's one of the original progenitors of the cultivated apple that we eat today. Most domesticated apples have some strong signatures of Malus Siversii in them. The relationship between Malus Siversii and the apples that we eat today is kind of like the relationship between wolves and dogs. There's the wild version, and then there's the domesticated version. For the apples, that journey of domestication, which brought them out of the mountain range and into our supermarkets, started thousands and thousands of years ago. The world's first apple enthusiasts were likely birds and bears, animals who chowed down on these fruits and then dropped seeds as they went on their merry way. But then humans started to catch on. Apples were this great portable snack, sweet and nutritious, and conveniently located along the major ancient trading routes of the Silk Road. People began to plant apples, either on purpose or by accident, you know, the ancient equivalent of chucking an apple core out the car window. And these apples began to blend with other wild apple species, like European crab apples. Somewhere along the line, humans even went a step further by mixing up their own varieties on purpose. A couple thousand years ago, there is evidence that some cultures, such as the Greek culture, were using grafting methods that's taking a bud or branch from a tree with really good apples, like ones that were super sweet and delicious, and sticking it onto a root. So you could capture the variety you want and repropagate that and grow it again and again and share it um, and move it. So that's been going on for a couple thousand years now. Today, many of the apple varieties we buy in supermarkets have been specifically cultivated to highlight certain traits, like sweetness or crispness, or ones that best hold their shape while baking, things like that. It's almost kind of like designer dogs, like the golden doodles or multi-poos of the world, but with apples. But okay, as you heard from Gail herself, these wild Malice Siversii apples are not exactly winning any blue ribbons from the state fair for taste. But Gail was interested in them for a different reason. She spoke to me from Colorado, which is home to an outpost of the U.S. government's Plant Gene Bank. It's basically this super library of hundreds of thousands of samples of plants in the form of seeds or seeds in cold storage or growing in greenhouses and orchards. We have pineapples, we have mangoes, we have apples and grapes, um, kiwi fruit. They've also got grains. We have the rice and the maize and the wheat and, and all of our grain crops. And beans, too. Legumes and beans and chickpeas. We have vegetables. Anything you would plant in your garden, we have collections of. Pretty much any plant that we eat, they have it. And naturally, that includes apples. Thousands of them. 
There are samples from wild species like Malus siversii that scientists from the USDA sourced in Kazakhstan and then brought home, and there's samples of domesticated varieties. Some can even be traced back hundreds of years. We have a variety called White Winter Pearmaine that I believe um, originated in Europe, and it was described as early as 1200. So it's been around for a long time, and it's been continually propagated over the centuries and is still alive today. So we can taste an apple that somebody 800 years ago would have tasted. It's kind of a fun connection to our past. But the super library is also a tool to create the apples of the future because researchers and breeding programs can draw on this incredible genetic diversity in the collection to make new combinations and develop brand new varieties. These new varieties may have improved quality. The varieties may have more resistance to drought, or they may have higher yield. So there's a lot of things that we could improve our plant varieties. These gene banks of materials serve as the raw material for this to happen. This can also be a really useful tool to fight disease. You might not get this impression when you're walking through your supermarket and see all those different varieties of apples, but overall, the U.S. apple crop is pretty homogenous. 90% of it is made up of just 15 apple varieties, and that can leave the crop pretty susceptible to disease. One of those diseases is called apple scab, which is caused by a fungus and creates scabby spots all over the apple's leaves and fruit. It can cause massive crop loss. But there may be tools for fighting back hidden in the genes of Malus siversii. Malus siversii has been screened for disease resistance, and they have identified sources of resistance to things such as blue mold, as well as apple scab and cedar apple rust and fire blight from these Malus siversii trees that were brought back from Kazakhstan and are growing in the USDA collection. Let's go back to the wild forests of Kazakhstan. Gail says when she visited five years ago in 2018, it was kind of tough to find Malus siversii. In fact, it seemed that many of the wild trees had been mixed in with domesticated varieties. I suspect that many of the smaller fruited trees um, from which we tasted the fruit are true wild Malus siversii. And many of the larger fruited trees that are also present in the landscape um, could very well be hybrids or um, crosses between the uh, wild apple trees and cultivated varieties. Today, the wild apple forests of the Tian Shen Mountains cover less ground than they used to. They've been replaced by new construction and development and sometimes even cultivated apple orchards. Malus siversii is currently listed as vulnerable on the ICUN's red list. That's a tracker for the world's biodiversity. Gail says it's critical that this wild species be preserved in the wild and in gene banks in the U.S. and around the world. With the changing climate, with population and people influences, a lot of our wild diversity may not be the same in the future as what we have available to us now. 
Special thanks to Gail Volk for telling me about the wild apple forests of Kazakhstan and the magical Malus Siversiae. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. Our production team includes Dylan Thuris, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And if you would like to learn more about what you heard today, you can check out more at atlasobscura.com. There is a link in our episode description. I'm Amanda McGowan, wishing you all the wonder and fresh apples right off the tree in the world. I'll see you next time. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.